to keep from answering this uh, several hundred times, let me just say we had a great vacation. Uh, we drove uh, around 2,000 miles. We saw all four of our children and all seven of our grandchildren, and uh, so that was great. Uh, I went to uh, three professional baseball games. That was fun. Uh, we visited two other churches on uh, those Sundays and had a wonderful time. Uh, for us, that's one of the neat things about vacation is that I get to sit next to Connie to worship. And uh, when our children were growing up, that was always special because I've actually sat with them uh, during worship. And we enjoyed both of those uh, churches, but we miss St. Andrews. And the best part was that I knew that you were in good hands uh, during the week, and I know you had uh, two very good messages from this pulpit. I've listened to them, and uh, <clears throat> I was blessed in, in listening to those sermons as well. So we are uh, going to jump back into Romans uh, after the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, focusing on prayer first and then on our uh, verse of the year. And uh, let me just set it up a little bit. Uh, in September, we'll have our anniversary Sunday. And for the last seven years, uh, I have preached on uh, the five solas of the Reformation, you say, wait a minute, seven years, five solas, how, how does that work? Well, actually, we took two years out in the middle uh, uh, pertaining to our building. One was how to keep our focus while building a building, and then the next year it was dedication of our new building over there. So if you're not familiar with it, the, these are the five solas, we call them, of the Reformation. Uh, and they're sometimes in different orders. Soli Deo Gloria, uh, for God's glory alone. Sola Scriptura, that is that uh, we focus on Scripture alone. Uh, sola Gratia, by grace alone. And Solus Christus, Christ alone. Now, this year in, uh, at our anniversary, I was going to preach on the final one, which is sola fide, and that's faith alone. But as I got into this passage and uh, looked at other aspects of Romans, we are, we're going to be hitting that so many times from so many uh, directions that I decided to go another route. But we are going to actually look at that uh, today, uh, the sola fide uh, by faith alone. As we look at the nature of salvation and the doctrine of justification, uh, now some of you may be saying, well, great. What is this? What do these doctrines have to do with my life, with what I'm facing right now, or with the, the big questions in my life that I have right now? You're going to talk to me about doctrine and the answer is, I want you to stay with me, because it has everything to do with whatever you're facing right now. 
here's, here's the bottom line. If, if everything's going right in your life, if everything seems to be falling in line, you're in one of those good periods of your life, but you don't have peace with God, then you don't have peace. But if everything seems to be caving in on you, if you are in the trial of your life, going through difficulty, or have been through that, but you have peace with God, it makes all the difference in the world. Now that doesn't mean you don't still face the trial or, or that it, it doesn't hurt or anything like that. But it makes all the difference if you can say, whatever is going on in my life right now, I've got peace with the God of this universe. So let's read our text as we begin. And we're going to pick up with verse 21 of Romans 3. <clears throat> but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and, and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold this law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, if this is our first reading of this passage, it's, it's hard to understand. But your word was given to us, your children. And so we pray that your, your Holy Spirit would enable us to understand, to grasp that which we need to know today. We look to you for this and we pray for this. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, uh, let me just tell you right up front, 
that uh, I, I'm going to express to you again that frustration that uh, I have with Romans, and that is the, the amount of content here. I, I, I keep pointing you back to Martin Lloyd-Jones, who took 13 years preaching on it every week, and I promised you we will not do that. But I want some sympathy from you because here, <laughs> here's the thing. This passage that I just read to you, and I'm going to preach one sermon on, Martin Lloyd-Jones preached nine sermons on this. So, uh, and, and they weren't repetitive. There, there's just so much there. And so every week, part of what I am dealing with is, is what not to say. What, what, I, I can't say everything. We can't go into depth with everything. And what else is gonna, what's going to be hit elsewhere in Romans so if you, you know, look at a couple of verses and, and say, well, I don't, he didn't really say much about that. Well, I hope that by the time we get to the end of Romans, we will have uh, given a fair account of the message that God gave to the Apostle Paul for us. Yeah, for us. Yeah, for the church in Rome, but for us too. So we need to look at it that way. So let's take a look at uh, especially the nature of salvation. We're going to be talking about justification. You can, there's some interchange there. Um, so what we see first is that justification is not through the law. Verse 21, but now. So whenever he says something like that, it's referring back to things that he has said before. And the previous passage, which we looked at uh, several weeks ago now, uh, was talking about how we are all sinners and so on. And he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now here... Paul is once again making it clear that we are not saved by obeying the law. And when you hear that, when you think about that concept, what, what should go through your mind is, thanks be to God. I'm so glad, I'm so relieved that it's not about obeying the law but it is still about righteousness. And, and so he's going to explain that. If you remember back in chapter 1, verse 17, where we said this is really the theme of the book of Romans, we learn that salvation is a righteousness of God revealed. Now, sometimes the English, uh, and this was written in Greek, the English can obscure this particular thing a little bit, but uh, the Greek word translated righteousness is the same word that could be translated justification. So you, you can, you know, so whenever they translate one way or the other, the translators are making an interpretation, but there is some uh, ability to interchange those. So this verse could read, 
a justification from God has been revealed. When it says a righteousness from God has been revealed. Now, I want you to notice how the English Standard Version, which is the version that, that uh, I use and uh, the translators have uh, distinguished with the translation of the word law. It's twice in this verse. And they've made a distinction there. And it, it almost looks like Paul's making a play on words. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Um, the first time the word law is in the sentence, it's not capitalized. It's likely that he was talking about the Ten Commandments. So we're, we're not justified by keeping those commandments. But then he says, he uses this phrase, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And uh, the translators of the English Standard Version made the interpretation that law there and prophets should be capitalized. Here's why. Whenever you see that phrase, it is typically referring to the whole Old Testament. Law and prophets. You got uh, uh, Moses and the prophets. So the five books of Moses and then uh, the prophets all the way through. So that's what, what, he, what Paul is saying and what the, um, the distinction he is making here is he is saying, look, church in Rome, you Jews in Rome and also you Gentiles who are in Christ, you need to know I'm not preaching something new. This was what the whole of the Old Testament said. This salvation that we are talking about was what the Old Testament was talking about. Now, in the Old Testament, it was veiled. It was not as clear. It was represented. It was foreshadowed. It was foreshadowed through sacrifices, through the tabernacle, through uh, the temple, through the priest, through uh, various aspects of worship and so on. Uh, but all of those, it, it was there. The gospel was there. And all of those were pointing forward to Christ and to what he did on the cross. And that's what Paul is saying. And that's why he says, but now. He's saying that foreshadowing has now been made clear in Christ. And so we can be thankful that we are on this side of the cross. That we, we have the Old Testament, but also the New Testament. We are blessed to have uh, all of that as clear as it is. So let's see what we can know about that amazing, awesome doctrine of justification uh, of our salvation. Look at verse uh, 22. Justification is by faith in Christ alone. Talks about, uh, in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And there is the sola fide. It's by uh, faith alone. It is not, and it can never be, 
faith plus works. It cannot be faith plus anything. The Scripture makes it clear that our salvation comes by faith alone. That's how our justification comes. Now, what does it look like? What, uh, faith in what? Well, the object of our faith is a key. We can't say it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have faith in. Uh, I read this week that uh, President Dwight Eisenhower uh, was reported as saying, America was founded on a deeply felt religious faith, and I don't care what it is. Now, that sounds very contemporary to me. That sounds very politically correct. We hear statements like that. Maybe you've felt that way. Maybe you've thought, well, you know, my brand of faith is Christianity, but, you know, there's other people believe lots of other things, and that's fine as long as they believe something. That's the key. That is the... Uh, politically correct way. I mean, you see bumper stickers and everything else that point toward that kind of a belief. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to tolerate everyone else's belief, of course. We, we live in a country where there is freedom to believe whatever we want. But to tolerate doesn't mean we endorse everyone else's faith as being equally uh, true. The object of our faith is key. Let me give you an example. If you were um, on Friday at about noon, you were driving across uh, the dam, you might have seen me walking there. Now, the reason I say you might have seen me was because for some reason I virtually had the dam all to myself at that point. Go figure. I don't know the fact that it was 119 degrees or something like that, whether, whether there was any. But anyway, so I was uh, getting a little bit of exercise and, and sun, uh, and suppose you were driving and you saw me, and then you saw me um, climb over the little fence there and start to go down the rocks, and, and you asked me later, and I said, well, here's the reason. I got these shoes, and I was just walking right along, and I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure these shoes float. They got rubber on the bottom and everything. And so I decided that, you know, I would come down here and I'd walk across the lake because I know these shoes will float. Now, I didn't do this, okay? You're looking at me like... Um, this is all a suppose. Now, I get down to the water, and I step out into the water, and it doesn't matter how much I think these shoes are going to hold me up. I'd be, boom, right down into the water, which, frankly, would have felt pretty good that day, now as I think about it, but... It doesn't matter how much I believe in that. It's not like I 
have faith that this boat that is coming up here, I can climb on that and I'd be able to go right across the lake. See, it matters what we have faith in. And ultimately, for our eternity, it absolutely matters if Christ is the only way then it matters if Christ is the focus of where our faith is. And if the object of our faith is a wrong thing, it can be deadly. So justification, our salvation is by Christ alone. it's, It's our faith that links us to Christ So what do we know about that faith? Um, Verse 23, it's not from ourselves. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now this combined, I'm not going to re-preach the message from several weeks ago, but this combined with all of those verses that go before uh, emphasize that we will never seek God In fact, if left to ourselves, we will only seek out our sin. And there is no salvation in that. Absolutely. Now think about it. You you go, go to get a job or you apply to a college to get in or uh, for a scholarship, maybe. And what do you do? You show them your stuff. You're you're trying to convince them why you are qualified, why you are worthy. These political conventions, that's exactly what they have been. Each party trying to convince uh, our country and maybe each party trying to convince themselves that their, you know, their person is the qualified and, and, and ready to be the president of the United States. Now, that's what we're used to. But we need to understand that every other religion and every other culture teaches that that's the way it works with God. Here's here's how. Every other religion teaches it's about what you do to work your way to God. It's about how, how much you can obey Him. And that fits with it seemingly everything else that we, we live with. But when it comes... When it comes to the God of the universe, he's saying, no, it's it's not about your achievements. It is about an achievement, but not yours. It's about the achievement of Christ and what he has already done. Yours would never be enough. And that brings us to the next aspect. Our salvation is provided by Christ in his work. Verse 24. It says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he'd passed over former sins. Um, So the glory of God can only be recovered by the efforts of Jesus. Now, there is that word in there, propitiation. And I, frankly, I'm glad they kept it here because that's a word we use in, in theology and so on. It's a good translation. Um, some of your versions may say a sacrifice of atonement. That's, that's a valid translation. <clears throat> the, the one word to fit that would be propitiation. And yet, there are those that want to avoid that word. There are those that, that want to avoid it even when they're translating it uh, because here's why. Propitiation is that which turns away God's wrath. And some people don't want to talk about God's wrath. I understand. I, that's not my favorite subject. And yet it is in the Scripture. And so... So some would rather talk about, there's another term that often goes with this expiation, which is getting rid of our our sin. And that's part of propitiation. But another very real part of it is turning away God's wrath from us. We have to, if we're going to appreciate salvation, we have to, Understand that we deserve his wrath. And what Jesus did on the cross was a propitiation. It was a sacrifice of atonement to pay for the sins of those who believe. Now, he didn't pay for the sins of every individual, but only of those who believe. If he paid for the sins of every individual, then every individual in the whole universe would be saved. But we know not everyone is saved. And that's where the faith comes in. Jesus lived a perfect life, which we couldn't do. He did that to pay for our sins, which we could not do. And our part is to believe and to trust. Now, how does the cross work? Verse 26 We need to understand he is the just and the justifier so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, why is that important? What does it even mean that he is the just and the justifier? Well, let's ask the question. If he was only the justifier, in other words, if he just forgave sin without any requirement that his justice be satisfied, if he just said, you know what, I'm just going to forget about the sin. Let's just start over. What's the problem with that? It would go right at his character. He would not be perfectly just if he, he did not require that sin be paid for. And so, 
He is perfectly the justifier. But further, how unloving would that be to the victims of sin? So God doesn't just set justice aside. He doesn't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. In fact, he, he says, it matters so much that I will deal with it myself. So on the other hand, what if he was only just? Not just the justifier, but if he was only just. Well, it would be oppressive to live under his justice without his grace and love and mercy. It, it, would, it would be uh, horrible to live under that. So amazingly, here's what he does. As the just and the justifier, he turns the justice that should come towards us, he turns it on himself. And Jesus willingly says, Father, take it out on me. Take me in place of my children. And that's what the cross is. I want to give you two quotes. John Murray said, God loved the objects of his wrath so much that he gave his own son to the end that he, by his blood, should make provision for the removal of his wrath. That's what we just said. Turns it on himself. And R.C. Sproul, by the way, this quote comes from uh, a commentary that is available in our resource center that we, we ordered a number of them. So if you want to do more digging into Romans, uh, R.C. Sproul, here's what he said. Where do we find in the Scripture the fullest expression of the love of God? In the cross. Where do we find the most awful manifestation of the wrath of God? Is it not also in the cross? Where he pours out wrath upon his own son. That same act shows that God judges sin and yet is loving and a merciful God. Now Paul now gives two applications here. Um, First of all, verse 27, no boasting. Then what becomes of our boasting? So he's saying with all this that we know that God has done all of that and, and we have provided faith and it's not because we provided it because all we have is sin so even, even faith is a gift from God. So what does that do to our boasting? Well, it, it gets rid of it. What becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. So since our salvation, our justification, our righteousness comes completely from God, not ourselves, there's no room to boast. Except, as it says in Galatians 6, in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only place we boast. Not because we've done anything, but we boast in what he has done for his children. 
And then further, the other application is we stand on equal footing before the cross. He had said back in verse 22, for there is no distinction. And then 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. So here's what we need to know when when it comes to the cross is that when we stand before the cross, first of all, none of us deserves to be in relationship with God. None of us. If anyone did, they could boast. No one deserves to be in relationship with God. And if we are in a relationship with God, It is only because of faith in Christ, trusting in Christ alone for our eternal life. No one has an advantage over the other. Not the Jew over the Gentile, not the Gentile over the Jew, not the circumcised over the uncircumcised, or vice versa, not the baptized over the unbaptized, not somebody in one denomination or another, not somebody who is a church member or a non-church member. There is no distinction. He is not a respecter of persons. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing for all of us. And that's what makes this such an awesome doctrine no matter what we have done, no matter what you have done, no matter what your sin, if you trust in Christ alone for your eternal life, and you can do that today, if you trust in Christ alone for your eternal life, you are a child of the living God. And you are as beloved by the Father as Jesus is because he dwells within you. Will you join me in thanking God for that? Thank you for this amazing and awesome doctrine. We use that word so much, but it should be reserved for for you and for these things things about you. Lord, will you give us hearts that, that grasp how important that is and, and what it means to have peace with you regardless of what we're facing today. And we pray for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.